Today's reading is Luke chapter 17. Uh, This is an incredibly rich and instructive chapter, and I hope you may even take time to read it carefully, maybe even read it through a couple of times. Uh, In the time we have, we can't address every helpful detail in this chapter, but I do want to highlight a couple of significant insights, uh, I think, that we find in the first half of the chapter. And the first is the Christ-likeness of forgiveness. The Christ-likeness of forgiveness. Jesus makes one of his frequent make-you-think-twice kind of statements at the outset of his chapter. He, as he's speaking to his disciples, he tells them in verses 3 and 4, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. This is a make-you-think-twice kind of statement for a couple of reasons. For one, it seems like such an extreme statement to give in such a straightforward, authoritative, and unapologetic fashion. For another thing, we are not so naturally prone to do what Jesus is commanding here. The question we need to ask is, why is Jesus so forceful and insistent on this particular issue of forgiveness. Well, let's think about it this way. In Galatians 4.19, Paul told the Galatians, My little children, for whom I am in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you, and then he goes on. Paul had a desire for Christ to be formed in the believers in Galatia. What did he mean by that? He meant that he wanted to see the attitudes and the character of Jesus Christ to be displayed in their attitudes and characters. What would that look like? Without question, one of the most clear and obvious ways we display the character of Jesus Christ in our own lives is when we forgive. James MacDonald said, Never are we more like Christ than when we choose to forgive. Which brings us back to Jesus' idea and definition of forgiveness in our passage today. Jesus begins with the idea of someone sinning against you, requiring your forgiveness. Now, think carefully about what he's saying. Think about what someone sinning against you might look like and feel like in the real world. Think about the feelings of bitterness, hurt, anger, embarrassment, sadness, betrayal, and so many other things that someone genuinely sinning against you often brings. Once you've considered that, and maybe you're dealing with something like this right now in your present life, now consider what Jesus says next. If he repents, forgive. If he repents seven times in the day, and he doesn't mean like just literally seven times, he's symbolizing continual and repetitive sinning against and then repenting of. And he says, if he repents each time, Jesus says, you must forgive. Well, where do you find the resources to forgive like this? Jesus. You look at him and even consider how he exercises forgiveness toward you. Again, think real life. Think how many times you have sinned against the Lord and indeed the same sin repeatedly against him. 
and you repent each time, finding his forgiveness and grace each time. When you come to a very real understanding of the ground-shaking and breathtaking reality of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ toward you in your often repeated sins, how can you or I, in good conscience, withhold sincere forgiveness toward those who sin even repeatedly against us? And it's not by mere self-will that we transform ourselves into this kind of person, but the Holy Spirit himself is at work in the Christian to motivate and create this kind of Christ-like character. Consider also the very attitude of Jesus as he forgave those who hated him. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.23 of Jesus, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued doing what? Entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus knew that in the end, every wrong will be righted and every sin punished justly. Therefore, it was unnecessary for him to bear a grudge. It was unnecessary for him to harbor bitterness or simmer in anger or wallow in self-pity or anything else precisely because he was completely aware of the fact that in the end, God the Father will settle all accounts in the most satisfactory manner. Christ-like forgiveness is an all-too-absent reality in the church today. Think deeply on the limitless grace and forgiveness our blindingly holy God perpetually exhibits toward us in Christ. Not merely out of gratitude, but for his glory in all your personal dealings, forgive and keep forgiving. Lay down your life in this way. Experiencing the smile of God on your life when you exhibit Christ-like forgiveness is infinitely more satisfying than holding on to a, sin, a sinfully bitter unforgiveness in your heart against an offender. And uh, the second thing I want to uh, think about uh, is, is an observation that struck me in this chapter when Jesus was respond, uh, responding to his disciples when they asked that he increase their faith. So one thing about increasing our faith, what, what does he say in reply when they ask that in verse 5? Does he say, sure, here you go, more faith? <laughs> no. What does he say? He essentially says in verse 6, they don't need more faith. Even if their faith was as small as a grain of a mustard seed, they could accomplish great things. Well, why does he reply this way because it's not the faith that accomplishes the things but rather the object of the faith if Jesus granted them more faith then they would be tempted to believe that it was their great faith that accomplished these things instead of the God in whom they believed that they did that did the work it's not more faith that we necessarily need it's a rightly directed faith that we need God performs the task not faith faith is merely a confession of need and a recognition of the one who provides. So get your eyes off your faith and onto the Lord. Those are some thoughts from Luke chapter 17.